Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and on this edition, we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's North London derby, as well as looking back on the emphatic win over Bournemouth on Wednesday night. Makes sense, doesn't it, to start in chronological order. So we're going to start with the Bournemouth game, Arsenal 5, Bournemouth 1, and it was a brilliant performance. Uh, I know I said after the Southampton game that I felt that that was one of our best performances of the season. Well, this game topped that, in my opinion. Um, Looking at the initial team selection, I must say um, I was a little confused uh, in regards to the formation and and the amount of defensive players in that starting eleven. Now, I know we've seen Arsenal line up at home with that back three or back five, whatever you want to call it, in the past. But for me, Bournemouth were a side that we needed to go out and break down. And so I must admit, when I initially saw the team selection, I was scratching my head a little bit. Unai Emery opted to go with Bernd Leno in goal, Socrates, Lauren Koscielny, Monreal as a back three with Jenkinson and Kolasinac operating as wingbacks, Guendouzi and Torreira holding the midfield, Granit Xhaka of course missing due to illness and then Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang and Ozil leading the line. So, I mean, it seemed a little bit negative to me, it seemed a little bit defensive but I, I totally understood why we made changes. You know, we've got a huge game coming up on Saturday, um, the small matter of the North London derby. And of course, rotation is key. I'm just not sure about the rotation of the system. I, I wasn't sure about it at the time. Obviously, I've since been proved wrong because Arsenal went on to, to blow Bournemouth away. So I'm not going to spend too much time focusing on that because, you know, it's pointless, isn't it? Arsenal won the game. Arsenal played brilliantly. And I guess... It was more of a back three uh, against Bournemouth rather than the back five that we've seen sometimes away from home. So I was pleased to see that. Um, of course, the subs bench was was a very strong one. And I think in recent weeks, that's why we've improved because Unai Emery's had options to turn to on the bench. It's one of the reasons we've improved anyway. Petr Cech, Mohamed Elneny, Aaron Ramsey, Alex Lacazette, Alex Iwobi, Shkodran Mustafi and Denis Suarez uh, were sitting there in reserve. So plenty of quality to select from, plenty of options uh, for the manager to change things if and when he needs to. Now, uh, I know people um, keep talking about Mesut Ozil and I know I've gone on about this for weeks now and, and it needs to be mentioned again, doesn't it? I mean, he was absolutely sublime against Bournemouth. His quality in the final third was unbelievable. The finish for the first goal. I mean, he kicks the ball into the ground, doesn't he? We've seen him do that before. Uh, completely fools Arthur Boritz. He did get a hand to it, I think, but there was no stopping that. You know, he completely wrong-footed the goalkeeper. And then, I mean, his assist for the Mkhitaryan goal was splendid. Um, uh, you know, you think that he's going to try and find the target there. I think even Arthur Boritz did. He comes scrambling out and Ozil just with the deftest of touches uh, cuts it back to Mkhitaryan who finishes expertly and, and all of a sudden it's Arsenal are in the driving seat. So, you know, some brilliant individual performances uh, last night or Wednesday night um, from the likes of Mesut Ozil. I thought Henrik Mkhitaryan, though, trumped him. I thought Henrik Mkhitaryan was the man of the match. I don't think anyone will argue with me on that. I think that 
he really took the game by the scruff of the neck. And what Mikitarian gives us is he gives us that quality in the final third, but he also gives us the work rate and the intensity that Unai Emery so clearly wants to see from his players. Um, so a big shout out to Henry Mikitarian. I thought he was the best player on the park by quite some distance. Um, I thought Lauren Koscielny had a good game too. And I know that Bournemouth, you know, are not the strongest of opposition, but I think Lauren Koscielny in the last couple of games has started to look like the Lauren Koscielny of old. Lots of you will say he was finished years ago and, and I get it, um, you know, but I still think he can do a job and I still think that on his day and when he's playing at the top of his game, he's better than some of the other options we have. He's better than Mustafi, in my opinion. Um, I'd even go as far as saying he's better than Rob Holding. Um, and that's no criticism of Rob Holding, but he's a young player. And you can't really rely on those types of players um, going into the, the business end of the season. I know Holding's injured, so it's a different case altogether. But I'm pleased that Koscielny's the one available, if that makes sense. I think his experience is, is a huge asset to this side. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Matteo Guendouzi. Now, he did make an error uh, last night or, or Wednesday night, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, that led to Bournemouth's goal. Um, he received the ball on the edge of his penalty area. He sort of shimmied as though he was going to try and turn. He got caught in possession. Um, and I know that Arsenal and a lot of the supporters at the time were appealing for a foul. But for me, it wasn't really a foul. I've watched it back on Match of the Day since. Um, yes, the attacker comes into him with a bit of force, but he does get a toe to the ball first. And Matteo Guendouzi, for me, has got to be a little bit more careful in those types of situations. It feels as though, um, you know, he's realised he's made the mistake and he's obviously trying to appeal uh, to get the decision. I get that. I totally understand that. I would probably do the same thing. But that should be a lesson to Guendouzi, um, you know, to just play it the way you're facing, play it simple, play it back to the keeper um, or, or just hook it out or anything just as safety first in those positions um, and that comes doesn't it from Arsenal's obsession at the moment with playing from the back and I get the philosophy I think it's it's good in theory but I think there are times and places where you need to adapt that slightly and Arsenal um, will be punished for that if we continue to do things like that we've been punished for it already this season so it's just something to be careful of it's just a reminder um of the focus and concentration that's required at this level. Now, in the past, I've said that Matteo Guendouzi um, is a little bit overrated by our fans, and I, I stick by that. That's not a criticism of him. I think he's a fantastic player. He's a fantastic prospect. And and what I will say is I was very, very impressed by the way he didn't let that error affect him. He just got on with the game. He continued to demand the ball in those positions. Nothing seems to phase this young man. And for that, he deserves an immense amount of credit. Uh, so Matteo Guendouzi, take a bow, son, because I thought you recovered brilliantly from that. And uh, I was really pleased to see that. And as someone who has at times questioned his maturity, I was pleased to be proved wrong. I, I enjoy being proved wrong when it comes to, to positive things with Arsenal. At the end of the day, I'm an Arsenal supporter and I want to see the best for this team. Now, before I go into my player ratings uh, for the Bournemouth game, which is something I think I'm going to start doing going forward. Let me know if, if it's something you want. Uh, at the end of the day, this show is for you guys, the listeners, and I want to hear what you guys enjoy. Um, but I just want to make one more point about the Bournemouth game, and that's um, a, an issue that I'm seeing with this formation, with this three at the back thing. I've brought it up on shows in the past, um, and, and I want to touch on it once again, uh, just as sort of a reminder I understand why Unai 
decides to play like that. I understand that when you're playing with two very uh, attack-minded wing-backs, you want to have that extra insurance policy uh, in the back line. I, I completely get that, and I think it's been a sensible decision uh, most of the times that Unai's gone with it. So I, I'm not being overly critical of that formation. I have been critical, though, of the fact that we keep chopping and changing between the two. I don't think that's helpful for the players. I get that there are certain games where one is is more beneficial than the other, but I think that in Unai's mind, he should have one go-to system that he picks most of the time because I think that's how players adapt to a system. That's how players learn it inside out. It's by playing it over and over again. Continuity is key. Um, but the issue I have with this back three thing is if you're going to play out from the back over and over again, which obviously is a clear instruction from the boss because Bernd Leno is obsessed with playing it short, isn't he, to his defenders. I think the problem that we're having is when teams press us a little higher up the pitch and we have that one less midfield option we're struggling to get the ball out we're struggling to make that transition from the back three into the midfield and our midfielders are having to drop so deep that we end up in situations like the one that happened to Matteo Guendouzi where they're dispossessed on the edge of the box and all hell breaks loose basically so what I don't like about that system I guess the point I'm trying to make is I don't like the fact that we have less options in the midfield for the centre-backs to find. And I feel as though often we see them just playing the ball side to side between each other, desperately waiting for that gap to appear, for that crack to open so that we can play our way out. If that crack doesn't appear, we end up going long and then it kind of defeats the object of playing that way in the first place. So that's my only concern with that system. And I worry that if we play like that at Spurs, which I'll come on to the Spurs game in a minute, but if we play like that at Spurs, that's a real concern of mine. Now, on to my player ratings for Arsenal 5, Bournemouth 1. Burned Leno, I'm going to give him a 7. I didn't think he had a great deal to do um, last night, which was a testament to the way we defended for the most part. Um, but he did make a spectacular save in the first half. I think it was from Ryan Fraser, um, where he got down to his left-hand side, had a really strong arm and kept it out. And then Koscielny came across and, and saved the day with a block. So um, I'm going to give Burned Leno a 7 uh, for that performance. Socrates he gets another seven for me uh, very organized as always um, directing his defenders I thought he'd done well playing as the right-sided center half of the three I don't think he's in his most comfortable position playing there I think he prefers to be one of two uh, but you know he's able to adapt and that's that's great you know and he's, he's done it well without any complaints he's just got on with it and he's done a superb job again so he gets a seven from me Lauren Koscielny gets an eight for me yesterday. Um, I thought he defended spectacularly well. Uh, again, for the most part, I thought he'd done brilliantly um, to, to get back and block that shot that I mentioned earlier after Bernardo's save. I thought he also done really well when Josh King was running at him and King subsequently got booked for diving. But Koscielny showed maturity not to dive in there. He just kind of stood his ground and King uh, went over like a ton of bricks and ended up getting booked. So uh, that was good from Koscielny. He kind of played chicken with King and ended up winning. So uh, And also, you know, he got on the score sheet, didn't he? And, and that's the third goal from an Arsenal centre-back in the last two games. So that's great to see as well. Uh, so yeah, Lauren Koscielny gets an eight for me. Nacho Monreal with a solid seven. Um, I didn't think he had a great game, but I didn't think he put a foot wrong either. Um, I guess when you don't really notice a defender uh, throughout a game, 
it's kind of a good sign, isn't it? I'm not saying that he went completely unnoticed, but for me, it was just a very solid performance from Nacho Monreal, so a solid seven. Uh, Sad Kelasinac, I'm going to give him a seven and a half, and the reason for that is particularly in the first half. I know he went off in the second half quite early on, but in the first half, he was a huge threat down that left-hand side. He has been all season. Uh, fantastic player. Uh, really makes the most of it when he gets into those positions. He makes it count, and, you know, it's funny, isn't it? Like he's a left back, a left wing back, whatever you want to call him. But I tell you what, Alex Iwobi could learn a thing or two from Kolasinac's ability to find the end product. Uh, so seven and a half for Sir Kolasinac. Carl Jenkinson on the right hand side. Oh, where do I go with this one? I'm going to give him a six and a half and he only gets that extra half for effort. And because I like him, everybody likes Carl Jenkinson, don't they? But in terms of quality, he's not up to the the standard required is he I think he's a workhorse um I think we saw a couple of times in the first half where he bombed down the right wing and I think it was Aubameyang that had the ball and he just kind of looked up looked towards Jenkinson and thought nah you're all right mate I think I'll go on my own um you know it's not his fault um I think he's only at the club because we couldn't shift him because of the wages he's on nobody else would take him on so you know six and a half for Carl Jenkinson likable guy and everything Gene up the crowd in the first half but other than that um, he's not quite up to it Matteo Guendouzi I'm going to give a seven um, I thought that he was better in the second half uh, I remember one particular pass he played over the top to Lacazette it was a fantastic ball um, but the reason I won't give him more than that is because of that error uh, that he made in the first half that led to Bournemouth's goal but having said that he recovered brilliantly from it so he deserves a lot of credit after last night that'll be a learning curve for him and you know young players need these experiences to to go on and, and become better uh, Lucas Torreira alongside Matteo Guendouzi now Lucas Torreira for me um I only give him a six and a half as well, and it might sound a little bit harsh, but Lucas Torreira for me seems to have dropped off in recent weeks. I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure if he's tired. I know that playing in Italy, they usually would have had a winter break by now. Has that had an effect on his performances? He seems a little bit less disciplined lately. He seems to be chasing shadows a lot more, and I don't really like that. I don't know if that's an instruction from the boss. Uh, but this is not just based on on the Bournemouth game. I'm talking overall. Last couple of months, I think his performances have dropped off slightly. So uh, what did I say I was going to give him? Did I say a six? I'm going to give him a six. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan, nine. Fantastic performance. Uh, probably his best in an Arsenal shirt to date. Um, obviously getting on the score sheet. Assists too. Linked up brilliantly with Mesut Ozil. Linked up brilliantly with his old mate Aubameyang. Um, so, Yeah. Number, uh, nine for me for Henrik Mkhitaryan uh, Mesut Ozil gets a solid eight from me again linked up brilliantly with the other forwards um, tracked back quite a bit last night as well and, and made some crucial interceptions and tackles in our defensive third uh, which is something that people have knocked him for seems as though um, he's what's the word I think he he feels as though he's got a point to prove and I'm not praising Emery for the management of that situation I will no way attribute Ozil's performances to Emery's man management because I think it's been nothing short of awful um, and I think the way the boss has handled this situation has been terrible which I've said in previous shows so that will come as no surprise to you but yeah Mesut Ozil uh, an eight nine I don't know, somewhere in between there. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 
didn't think he did all that much in the first half, but he's a goal threat, isn't he? And he pops up in the right position, so I'll give him a seven. Um, so fair play to him. Alex Iwobi came on as a sub. Alex Lacazette came on as a sub. So did Dennis Suarez. Special mention to Alex Lacazette for that sublime free kick. Um, I still think Boris should have saved it, but that's neither here nor there. The fact is it hit the back of the net and that's all that matters. Enjoying what you've heard so far? If so, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes. Right, it's time to look ahead to the small matter of this weekend's North London derby. A North London derby that's become all the more interesting seeing as Spurs have lost two on the trot. They lost at Burnley. They lost at Stamford Bridge. Arsenal have the opportunity to close the gap on them to just one point with a victory at Wembley. Almost said White Hart Lane there. But of course, their stadium's still not ready, is it? Useless bastards. I'm not going to bore you with facts and statistics and historical figures because those come up every time there's a North London derby, don't they? So I'm going to spend uh, the next few minutes looking at how I would approach the game, how I would line up the side. And I'd like to hear your thoughts, of course, too. Um, that's what this platform is all about. We want to hear from you guys. You can tweet us at Chronicles underscore AFC, or of course, you can email me if you prefer uh, the more old school way. And that's ChroniclesAFC at gmail.com. Um, don't forget to tune into the review show on Tuesday morning too. It'll be out then. Uh, and I'll be joined by Jeremy Aliadier. And fingers crossed, the one and only Arse blog, uh, Andrew himself, uh, is hoping to join us. So fingers crossed that works out and I'll have the pair of them on uh, for what should be a fantastic show. Right. So in terms of the team I'd go with uh, on Saturday lunchtime, I'd go with Bernd Leno in goal. I'd go with a back four. Um, I think Arsenal just look a lot more comfortable playing that way. I think it's clear that Arsenal are incapable of defending, whether it's with a back three or with a back four. So we might as well get the maximum out of our midfield and try and win the game in that area of the field. So my back four would be um, Sad Kalasinac at left back. I'd go with uh, Laurent Koscielny, assuming that he shakes off the knock he picked up against Bournemouth and Socrates. And this is going to come as a surprise to some of you, but I'd go with Shkodran Mustafi at right back um, because I think having him there means that when Kalasinac does get forward, we can sort of shift over into a back three um, and have that little extra bit of protection. I know it means we'll be a little bit one-dimensional in the sense that most of our attacking play will be going down the same side, but I think that's a pretty smart move. And I think that, you know, and I, most of you will disagree with me, but I think that Skodran Mustafi could do a job there. And I think he could be better there for Arsenal. He has played there for Germany before. Um, and Joachim Love is not a coach to turn your nose up at. So he knows something that maybe we're missing. So I would give that a try. Uh, in the midfield, Again, assuming that he returns from illness, Granit Xhaka would start there alongside Lucas Torreira for me. I think that that pairing gives Arsenal the best balance. Um, I think that it's got a bit of everything in there. There's there's ball playing skills. There's a bit of physicality. There's a physical presence in Granit Xhaka. There's, uh, you know, a dogged, intense um hard-working, industrious midfielder in Lucas Torreira and they can both spray a pass. So I'd like to see those two starting in the middle of the park. Um, ahead of those would be the trio for me of Henrik Mkhitaryan, uh, Mesut Ozil and Alex Iwobi. 
Um, I think Mkhitaryan and Ozil are just in too good a form to be dropped, to be honest with you. And I think there's no concerns about Mkhitaryan's work rate. You know he'll put that in. You know Iwobi would put that in too on the other side. So those two would kind of set the scene for Mesut Ozil to to flourish. And, and I, I like that idea. So that would be my three there. And I'd actually start with Alexander Lacazette up top. And I know it sounds harsh on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, given he scored, what, 16 Premier League goals this season. But... Um, I just think that in that type of game, when you need someone to hold the ball up to put it about the centre-halves and be a little bit more um, industrious, I think that Alex Lacazette is your man there. I think he brings others into the game better. And I think Aubameyang is a very, very good option to bring on from the bench when the game's a little bit more stretched. I think David Hillier made that point on on the podcast this week, that on the main podcast, I should say, episode 52, that he felt that, Aubameyang was more suited to those situations and I completely agree with him it was a fantastic point so that would be my team uh, going into to Saturday's game I'd like to hear again what you guys think tweet me at chronicles underscore AFC email me chronicles AFC at gmail.com um, and let me know your thoughts now how do I see this one going it's very very difficult to say isn't it I know there's been lots of talk about the fact that Arsenal have won two games on the bounce and that um you know, like we beat Southampton convincingly and we beat Bournemouth convincingly and that Spurs lost at Burnley and they then lost at Stamford Bridge. But I think form kind of goes out the window when we're talking about derbies. I think Spurs will be right up for it. There'll be a huge crowd at Wembley. Um, and I know it's not their their real home, but they've kind of made it their home. Their record there has been brilliant uh, since they've had to start playing their games there. So it's not a game I'm looking forward to. It's not a game I'm, I'm particularly confident about, but as I said on the same old Arsenal last week, for me, having beaten Bournemouth, having beaten Southampton, it's all about avoiding defeat in this one. Uh, that is the key. It's more about Spurs not getting the extra three points on us rather than us making up three points on them. I think looking at the running, looking at the fixtures remaining, I'm pretty confident that we can put a run together for the rest of the season. So I, I think avoiding defeat is key. And, you know, I kind of think the same about the United game, which is around the corner as well. But we'll save that talk for next week. In terms of a prediction, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. I'm feeling optimistic. Um, I don't think we'll be able to keep a clean sheet, but I also think we'll score. So, you know, a 1-1 draw would be a, a very positive result, a very respectable result, in my opinion, given the way both our seasons have gone so far. And, you know, it's all about making it back into the top four, isn't it? That That's our goal this season. Um, and as long as we achieve Champions League qualification, whether that's through the Europa League or through the Premier League channel, I don't really mind. I just want to see Arsenal back in the big time. Um, I think, you know, lots of people are worried about Harry Kane and that's understandable given his record against us. But incidentally, you know, they have lost the two games he's come back for. So uh, I don't want to tempt fate or anything, but I think that their real threat at the moment and I don't know if he'll be selected from the start I'm not privy to Pochettino's team selections I don't even take that much notice of him if I'm being completely honest uh, but I think that Hyung uh, is that how you say it Hyung Min Son that's it uh, Hyung Min Son is a real threat he's pacey he's quick he's intelligent he's tricky he called us caused us all sorts of problems at the Emirates dived and won a penalty so he's got a bit of shithousery about him as well and I think he's a player that 
maybe doesn't always get the the right amount of focus that he deserves uh, from opposition managers, but he's someone that we need to look to stop. Of course, Christian Eriksen too is capable of pulling strings from a slightly deeper role. Uh, Deli Ali is capable of popping up with a goal as well. Uh, so Tottenham have plenty of threat of their own, but they're also not bulletproof when it comes uh, to to def- their defence. You know, I know. They've got a pretty good record. They've got some really strong centre-halves, but their full-backs are a little bit suspect for me, as is Hugo Lloris. He makes all kinds of errors in top games. Um, you know, he's, he's done it time and time again. And, and so I'm confident that Arsenal can get something here. Um, you know, it, it's all about getting the game plan right. And I think Unai Emery said in his press conference following the Bournemouth game, didn't he, that he will be watching that Spurs-Chelsea game back to work out his game plan. That's encouraging. And I know I've criticised Unai Emery um, at certain points this season, but fair play to him. You know, he's... He's gone back to basics. He seems to have he seemed to have lost his way for a little bit, but he's got the team back on track. Let's hope he can prove me and many others wrong uh, even further by going on and getting a positive result at Wembley because this is now a huge, huge game. And I tell you what, if we go there and we come away with all three points, we'll be one point behind Spurs and then it's squeaky bum time, isn't it? Spurs from being in the title race two, three weeks ago will now be dragged back into the race for the top four and and you know we know what their mental strength is like uh we've got plenty of examples to refer back to uh so that's how i see it going one one draw that's the team i'd go with um and uh yeah i'd like again like to hear what you guys think please leave your predictions leave your comments in the comment section below if you're on youtube if you're listening via itunes don't forget to hit subscribe uh please like the video if you're on youtube Uh, This is an audio-only podcast, but we will be uploading it to YouTube anyway. Um, So, yeah, uh, up the gunners, and and fingers crossed we can come away with all three points. Never like this build-up to North London Derby. It's always a bit stressful, isn't it? Particularly in the last few seasons. I'll be back, as I've already mentioned, on Tuesday morning, where I'll be joined by Jeremy Ali Adier, the former Gunners striker. And fingers crossed, I'll have Andrew from Ask Blog on too. Uh, so it's a show that you won't want to miss. Uh, until then, guys, take care.